Hello, folks. Welcome to season three of our On the Call series produced by the Stars Among Us. I'm Ozzy, and I thank you for tuning in to this thank you tour of mine, as each episode is a thank you card to someone who's impacted my life in one way or another. And on this third episode of season three, I'm shining light on Paolo Pilati. Hello, Paolo. Good morning, Ozzy. How are you? I'm fine. The first time I'm doing a morning show, so. I love it. Morning, Sunday mornings too, you know? I love it. Let's let's get into it, you know? So first of all, congrats on Last Call's launch on Friday. How was the experience? Thank you. Uh, Yeah, listen, the response has been great so far. Um, I think people are connecting to it. I think it's right place, right time. You know, a comedy with a heart. People need to laugh. People need to kind of reminisce and think of like bars and places where they socialize. You know, it's been pretty great. You know, a little bittersweet, of course, because we couldn't celebrate with all the great people that helped make it happen, cast and crew. You know, there was album in Philadelphia and was playing at the Ritz Five in Old City. So uh, my wife and I uh, went there and it was a socially distant, great way to kind of see it on the big screen. Right, right. So on the reception, some of the kids were there, I saw. Yes, they were at, I believe, either the IFC Center or maybe they might have been in Long Island. The the youngins might have been, I think they were in Long Island. So I was playing in a couple screens up there. Yeah, they were up there and they were super excited. I would love to see it with them, to be honest, but uh, I'm grateful regardless. It is what it is kind of situation right now. Are you planning some sort of maybe Zoom call? Yeah, some type of like thing with the whole group or something. Possibly, you know, we've discussed it, and I think there's a couple things still on the table. It's not necessarily up to me, but I'm game for it for sure. Yeah, there's a couple things in the works. I mean, ideally, there'd be some type of physical get together when we're all able. I don't know when that might be as well, somewhere down the line, you know. But well, I'm just gonna tell my audience a little bit about you. Since 1997 or so, with your Goody Goody Productions company, the logo I really love. I finally got to see it up close in the film. And I really, really yeah. like it a lot. So Paolo has been involved in not only dance theater adaptations of screenplays like Robbie Love, but he's also been co-created and wrote and produced Rastravaganza. Yes. Yeah. And I want to know a little bit about it because it's a multidisciplinary Cirque event. Could you tell me yeah. a little bit about that? It sounds like yeah. a Cirque du Soleil sort of thing, but I just want to get up. Yeah, I- it kind of it kind of was. And so to kind of pay the bills, we did goody goody. We did concerts for a long time, large scale, small scale, um, multi-day music festivals and art festivals for a really long time. And we were quite successful and hip hop was a big part of that. And so anyway, as it relates to Rastravaganza, a very good friend of mine and longtime collaborator, Rafael Xavier, who is a, you know, award-winning choreographer and hip-hop dancer, and he's a professor, and he's just an amazing dude. But anyway, he created this dance theater piece, and he had won a grant to do something in a public space in Philadelphia. So we used Philadelphia City Hall, which is tremendous, has this big, gigantic courtyard, and we did a free day-long circ event. So we had world-class dancers and BMX bike rider and just various artists from different things. And we crafted this tale around a young girl, Rafaela, who, who thinks she's going to to a circus and then she gets there and there's nothing there so she has to kind of use her imagination and and these artists kind of all come from her imagination and and it was um yeah it was a really cool interactive thing the lar- one of the largest uh free french festival events certainly in philadelphia it was really nice it was really cool that sounds so interesting yeah audience also paolo's film credits include invisible mountains fridays at the farm watermelon magic 
But the other thing that he's done was a piece called I Can't Breathe, a social justice short film. Could yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I was, um, I helped with the script a little bit and then, you know, kind of more of a consulting kind of producer on that project. But a friend of mine was making this pretty important pre piece a few years ago mm -hmm. about, you know, an, an interaction, you know, and a, a gone awry between a cop and getting shot and the, the turmoil that goes on after that, really, with the families. And it was sort of more about um, the aftermath of this crime and ultimate murder, but the, how the family, the, both the victim and the um, the assailant, kind of how their families kind of deal with it. But you know, pretty again, a pretty timely piece. I come from a world of last call is comedy, you know, and irreverent. You know, I do think it still has a, a very working class neighborhood feel to it. And, and a lot of my background comes from very much so interested in political science degree. I'm very much so interested in social justice. So I have another project, for example, about the entire move fiasco that I'm looking to get off the ground soon in Philadelphia. It's a social justice film. And so that stuff's really important to me uh, in general. So, Well, you just answered one of the questions I was going to ask you because everybody has a point of interest, you know, so yep. that's good to know about you. Tell me about the winemaker's son because that was supposed to have been shot in Southern Italy. Yes. So that's next on the docket, actually. Oh. All things COVID aside, it looks like we'll be going in um, July or August, I think, in Umbria and Lazio. Yeah, that's a labor of love as well. Another kind of family tale, whimsical Italian folktale based on mm. um, an Italo Camino folktale about immortality. And a little mm. boy, he drinks homemade wine on his grandmother's deathbed and he gets special powers. And as an adult, he's estranged from his father and he's living in America and his father's living in Italy. Uh, anyway, he's an illustrator. He goes to visit his father and he creates his father's ill and he creates this illustrated roadmap toward the afterlife to help his father pass through. And um, I had written it after my father died as mm -hmm. a, um, and it, it wound up turning into a screenplay. And, but it's a, it's a love letter to the way I was, you know, kind of brought up and, you know, it has a very much so whimsical kind of feel to it. And mm -hmm. yeah, it should be a great project. I can't speak too, more, too much more on it yet because we're still tying it, things up, but uh, right. yeah, hopefully it'll go somewhere. Good, have something to look forward to. So tell me, as a writer, as you were on this project last fall, what are some of the challenges that you face or you have in writing? Uh, just generally speaking, writing? Generally, I mean, yeah. Uh, writing is the hardest thing in the world, you know? I was just reading something Aaron Sorkin said about, you know, you, you spend so much time, writing is really about climbing the walls and just trying to figure out what the hell to do. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but mm -hmm. but it's so true, you know? It's, it's And writing's my first love. Um, yeah. I come from a poetry background, written word, spoken word, mm. and storytelling in general. So I love writing and I hate wow. it at the same time, you know, because <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah, you know, with filmmaking, it's so much different because you can write a poem on the back of a bar napkin and be satisfied. It could be three words, it'd be one word, you know? And screenplay is such a unique art form in the sense it's an unfinished piece. So you never have that sense of fulfillment until it's turned into a film. Wow. Um, I mean, there's a sense of there's a sense of accomplishment. I I believe in finishing a screenplay when you know it's good, but there's an emptiness still because it's not complete because it's only a um, a, a jump off point, right? Mm -hmm. You have to get actors involved, and, and they breathe life into it, and then all of your keys obviously breathe life into it and their own ideas. And then the director, if you're the director as well, great. But if not, if you're just a writer, director comes on board to quote someone else. Franklin Leonard just said the other day too when he was I think tweeting about the awards and. Uh, he said each one of these films, each one of these Oscar uh, contenders started with a writer. And it's so true, they don't get the respect they deserve and they never probably will, but I have love for them for sure. I feel the same way. 
Okay, as well as casting directors don't get the, yeah. the, the, the you know the respect as well. What would you say is it still the most enjoyable part of the filmmaking process? Um <sighs> Man, that's a that's a tough one. You know, I try to enjoy all of it cuz it's such a it's it's so hard and it's so rare, right? That's the that thing about filmmaking is you know, I joke all the time that it's an elite sport. Like it's a rich man's game. This isn't for uh, the poor and working class. It's getting easier. And I and I hope I can help some young kids feel that they can make and tell their stories through film because there's a barrier. There's a financial barrier to mm -hmm. filmmaking, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I try to really just enjoy every aspect of it. But truly what makes it so great for me is that it's, it's the ultimate collaboration. So you get to work with so many different tremendous artists to create one singular thing. Um, which is really gorgeous in a lot of ways. But for me, the favorite would probably be playing with the actors. I mean, I love actors in general. And as a writer director, there's a real sense of relief when you give a character over to an actor. Mm -hmm. and that weight that you've been carrying, right? For years on your shoulders with these characters are not yours anymore. Now it's, uh, you know, Jeremy's or Taryn's or yours or whatever. And so there's a real freedom there and it's just invigorating. You get to play and, and rehearse and, you know, that, that's probably my favorite, but I love it all really. One of the things that I found when I was on set with you was your way of listening and allowing the actors freedom to play. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, um, I, I let me know that you're very actor friendly. There are directors who come in, they have a job, they're very good at it, but they direct from their standpoint of directing. Whereas yours was a lot more collaborative and that was very present thing to find with you, to experience you on that set, even for the short time that we had, you know, that one day when I I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's the only way I know, right? But I think, again, I guess back to my love of actors. I love actors and filmmaking is nothing without good performance. I mean, um, how did you come you to have, love actors look, so much? Honestly, I think just from falling in love with films from a young age and the films that I came up on and was one part like films of the 80s, right? Jaws and Indiana Jones and these like big larger than life kind of characters, E.T. and stuff and then Star Wars and whatever. And then the other part was like, you know, when I found Italian films, especially, and, and, and Fellini and, and Eight and a Half and all those, you know, kind of um, neorealism films that were totally different and just so captivating. That, that I kind of fell in love with. But, but then as I, as I got, you know, more on the professional side, my directing coach and mentor, Judith Weston, whose books I could not recommend more, she had really encouraged directors to take acting classes to really mm -hmm. understand what actors go through. And so I started doing that and taking improv classes and whatever, and then realizing that a film set is so chaotic, right? And mm -hmm. there's so much going on and a lot of technical that people just assume the actors come in and bang out their, you know, get to where they have to and bang it out in a couple takes and then we're on to the next thing. Two hours to light a scene and 10 minutes to shoot it, you know? I try to remember where, where they are, how raw and how close to their emotions they are while you're asking them to be very personal in a public space, which is mm -hmm. really difficult to do. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of filmmakers, especially of my generation, they became very technically proficient when with the move over to digital from film, which is when I came up and that never turned me on. And I'm still not that good on that side, right at all. I'm a people person at heart. So I'm good at that part. And so I think you're right. And I think you hit on something. I think acting is listening, and especially with the talent that I had, but even without, you know, you'd be fooled not to listen to your players. You have to trust them ultimately. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think the more you give to them in general, the more you get out and the more they trust you, which is, mm -hmm. um, which is really the only way you can create good stuff. Lovely. 
The words, I'm going to give you two words. Mm. The words are, you can't. How do those two words impact? How have they impacted your career, possibly your life or your life? Can't. Well, I will turn that back around that one of my favorite words is perseverance. And I think that takes us a long, long way. And I think honestly, it trumps talent. It trumps a lot of other things. And so I get motivated by the word can't, I think a lot. I think a lot of it's from my upbringing. You know, I come from a blue collar, lower middle class, working class neighborhood, immigrant enclave where you just kind of put your head down and you work. And so while I just mentioned like filmmaking is an elite sport, I think I take a very blue collar approach to it and I work my ass off. Mm -hmm. you know it for mm -hmm. years and so there is no can't you know there is mm -hmm. no can't you know the thing about it is coming to the realization that it might not be on your time whether that's summoning the spirits to write something or ultimately turn it into a film if you're not funding it yourself especially it's not going to be on your time but it's going to happen if you keep at it so i think for someone like me you know if i can get a film made truly like anyone can you know i didn't go to a fancy film school mommy and daddy aren't financing my films you know so and i think that's really important for people to understand because i think once someone, it's such a cancer, that word, right? Once someone tells you you can't and gets you down and really is imposing their own fears on you, especially if you're young and impressionable, people just quit. They're like, oh, you're right. I probably can't do that. It's not for me. I don't see myself represented there. And so I don't like that word, <laughs> you know? Thank you very much for that. Now, if you weren't a director, a producer, actor, what would you do? What would you be? Man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like being papa to my kids. I love doing that. <laughs> and I get to spend a lot of time doing that. Maybe a chef, although my chef friends would say probably not because um, <laughs> the world inside the, the kitchen is, I, I, love, I, I am a very proud home chef though. So I love to cook. I love to cook for people. Uh, and again, this comes from my background too, right? But I think there's a great love. Nothing says I love you more than cooking for somebody mm -hmm. and eating them. So I love to do that. So something in food, I think probably. So that being said, how do you tie in husbandry and fatherhood when you're on projects? Yeah. There are challenges with that. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. My wife, that's it, Domenica, there's no other way to say it. If, if not for her, none of this is possible for me. And not just this project and winemakers and everything else, but really my entire career. Because, um, you know, during the lean times, and especially, as you know, an independent film world is not the most lucrative mm -hmm. career choice. Mm -hmm. um, she propped me up. She did a breadwinner and is a present mom and a present partner. And also, you know, kept the lights on when I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have to give her all the props I possibly can. And then specifically on a project to project basis, you know, we're kind of fortunate where her job, she's in the financial world and she's, you know, flexible enough where she could pick up the kids from school or whatever, but it takes a toll. You know, I was in Italy, we shot a trailer and doing some prep work and I was there for almost three months. And that's like, you know, how the hell do you keep the house together, work full time and take care of the kids when it's a tough thing. So I give her, you know, it's all her primarily, but also I think finding the balance, right? Like I always had a hard time turning work off, meaning I just always on, always going. And I'm still like that, but I, I'm trying to get better at that and trying to be more present. One last thing I'll say about it is I think the best thing to come out of this pandemic for me is just the amount of time that we were all kind of forced to spend together. And so dinners every night at the table versus dinners on the fly and stuff like that and kind of just really like resetting in a way. And my wife and I have been together forever. So it's, it was a nice kind of reconnect across the board. And and my girls are at a certain age, you know, they, they have a little cameo in the film and they came on set and like, you know, just like 
they help keep you grounded. I'm glad they got to come to set a couple days and see what I do and see that hard work does pay off ultimately. And and it's nice because I think they're like, they were super proud of this of this weekend and it's a good feeling. But I think it's also nice to kind of, in the same way, Janet, you didn't get to meet her, but the lady who owned the bar that we shot in who recently passed due to COVID was a grounding force for me. I saw her every morning and I was like, okay, that's right. Like I'm making this movie for the working class, for, for the everyman. And so those things are really important. It's It's like taking a second to breathe. You just answered two other questions that I had in line. So with I'm that. Keeping it, I'm keeping it efficient <laughs> for you. <laughs> Which is great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there anything that you fear? Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big question. In life or in like. <laughs> I think I'll keep it to the business and COVID. Yeah, yeah. Well, with COVID, I mean, my goodness, two things. One, and now my mother is fully vaccinated. My mother and my father-in-law are both up there in years. And so this last year, you know, my, my children didn't get to see them at all. And we kept our distance and, and through the window and through the door, we're saying hello. And it was just heartbreaking. And so uh, that was a real fear of mine of not being able to, um, you know, God forbid, if, if they got sick from this thing, I, you know, I don't know if they would have gotten on the other side of it. So that was a real big fear in general. I think socially in the social, the long-term social aspects of, um, and obviously the physical aspects, health aspects, but the mm -hmm. but the social aspects of it. My girls have been virtual for, for a year now. This sucks, you know, and it's, 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 I think, damaging. They've been great about it, but just in general, I think seeing how it will come out, I'm, I'm really excited though, I'm hopeful. And I think it has taught people to slow down. And, and I think that's really gonna be really important coming out of this. Again, kind of like I was talking about with our family, but, but hopefully, and I see it with other people, um, reconnecting in a meaningful way and just, mm -hmm. I think, you know, hopefully we can look back on this in a few years and see what we've learned from this and have gotten better through it, you know, through this pain and through this suffering. So as far as the business goes, the fear, you know, man, I, you know, I think I'm pretty fearless. You know, it's funny now because the reviews are going to start coming out and you can't control that kind of stuff. Right. And right. all my, all my friends, you know, film friends are like, listen, don't want, don't read them. Don't do anything. You know, it feels great when people get a project or get what you're doing or thank you. I needed that laugh right now. You have no idea. Or that brought me back in this case with last call you know to my childhood or nostalgia it feels really good because um you know kind of like the actors too once it's out there it's like you're shout you're, you know you're taking a bath in front of the world you know like it's, <laughs> yes. you're wide open and the flip side of that the fear is like the people that don't get it or and it's just like you know uh but that, that's probably it you know like I can't control it. I'm getting better at not worrying about things that I can't control. So that has gotten rid of a lot of fear. I've realized a lot of the fear has come from stuff that's out of my control anyway. And what a waste of time that is, you know? What a waste of precious time worrying about and, that. And if COVID has anything to say about it, we have lost a lot of control, you know? At the same time, we've been able to um, learn to do things in a different way, in a new way that may help find maybe a lasting way to work, but letting go, as they say, letting God is, uh, is a good thing. Paolo, thank you. I love saying your name, Paolo. <laughs> thank you so much. I still remember you so well on the set that day. The care and attention, the words, the little words that you would say, the encouragement that you would give. Thank you very, very much for that. It was a wonderful, wonderful to be on that set. It was a short time, but it was a wonderful time to be on that set with you and everyone else. <laughs> with Jeremy first telling me that uh was <laughs> saying we need to warm her up we need to warm her up it was funny <laughs> and then one of the you things know, that was happening is every time I open and close that door I was afraid the cat would mm. come out and that was a whole other story <laughs> that was that was also funny. Uh, the joys the joys of 
joys of independent filmmaking exactly. using someone's house when the people are actually still inside it's it. Still inside yeah, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, the things people will never know. Yeah. Yes. I you know, Jeremy's Jeremy's such another one of those just he's just one of those great and I think it beca because he comes from a theater background. Mm -hmm. Um but he has he's one of those guys that's just man like he makes everyone around him better. Um and you know, he's just really engaged. He's very present and yes. he's helpful. He's helpful with um you know, trying to help me get the best performance out of him and and, and his scene partners and right. and I think he's he's very generous that way and, and right. lucky. So, and right. it was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. I, I hope we get to do it again soon. I hope so too. Thank you very, very much. And thank you to my audience for spending your valuable time with us today. Please care to share. And remember, when you're on your beat, stay on the sunny, sunny side of the street safely and mask up. Paolo, I will be putting stuff out there again for, for some time on the, on the movie. I love what I saw. Thank you so very much. Love and kisses. Thank you, thank you. Kisses back to you. Okay. Talk to you uh, soon. Will do. Bye-bye. Gotcha.